Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos Podcast. Podcast. Strangle your demons and let's go. Y'all need Jesus! Chaos Podcast. I am your host, Eric Helberg, and you know we are like Einstein here. We have no special talents. We are just passionately curious, passionately curious about all things pertaining to men. How did we get here, and where is this journey going to take us? My goodness, man. I remember listening to various talk shows, and sometimes they would tout um, an open mic Friday and or a Friday rant. And in that same theme, I think we're going to just skip haphazardly along with some miscellaneous ideas that have come into my head as I am coming to you live from the Kickapoo. I think it's called actually the Guiding Eagle, but... It's the Kickapoo tribe. I'm down here on the border of Piedras Negras and Eagle Pass, Texas, looking for some folks and trying to create some good stories for you guys. But, yep, I'm right here at the basement of the casino making this podcast today. And if I can get it published for you on Friday, we'll send it out on Friday. But previous to me getting here, which was late last night, I was in Laredo, and I believe we got everything taken care of to my client's satisfaction. And I want to do an episode on that, Um, actually the town of Laredo, because it was the epicenter of Operation Marquise. Operation Marquise. At that time, it was, excuse me, the largest combined... FBI, DEA, seizure, and it encompassed multiple cities in America. Of course, it all went down in 2001. I guess we started looking at the border at that time after uh, the terrorist attacks of 9-11. And an enormous amount of arrests, largest cocaine, not marijuana, but largest cocaine um, seizure at that time. It was measured in metric tons. Um, the amount of disposable cash that was garnered up just out off the charts, too. The crazy thing about that was that uh, some of the kingpins went away. Most of them were left unfettered. That seems to be the way of the world. We get the smaller guy. The other guys are complicit and uh, generate funds for people that make decisions. Therefore, they were left to carry on. But some of the higher-ups, believe it or not, they became pastors. Yeah, two or three of them became pastors. Why is that? Now, I'm not saying you can't have redemption. And I do believe that you can repent. And in order to rid yourself of sin and get that tabula rasa that we've spoken of before, you do have to repent. You do have to have godly sorrow, not worldly sorrow, whereby you feel sorry because of the pain you're experiencing or that you got caught, but godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is just simply pain. Yeah, you can feel pain. A psychopath can feel pain. But godly sorrow is where the Lord washes you clean 
in the act of repentance for those you have aggrieved. But yeah, these guys became pastors. Whether they're bona fide in the spirit or not, that I don't know. But I did happen to have a run-in with one of them down the road. Now, um, despite the fact he was distant from Operation Marquise, that, uh, that leopard really didn't change many of his spots. He was like an octopus. He had his tentacles involved in anything. And fast forward, I had to get involved. And without making the very good acquaintance of a man who had recently been released, I would call him my neighbor since he got out of the federal penitentiary in Beaumont, Texas. I probably would not have cracked that case. But I digress. I will do an episode on them. In fact, I need to talk to my buddy. If you hear some of these stories, you know I use my wording judiciously because we do live in a crazy world. And sometimes people get hell-bent on retribution and or they know it's a litigious world. And anyone can do anything at any time and you're forced to defend it in time, energy, and money. But I will talk to him. He's in Catula today, and I will uh, brush up on a few things, and then we will present that episode. But yeah, I've already gone to the weight room this morning, and really I was just going to work out the kinks, because previous to me hitting the road, I had about 600, 700 miles in the saddle yesterday, not including time on the ground, meeting with people, finding equipment, getting that all taken care of. So at 53, when I roll like that, I mean, I feel it. And um, the night before, I was pressed for time. Got out one of my one pood. Those are old Russian-style kettlebells, not all these fantastic creations they've come up with after. I'm talking hammer-forged, pure steel, rough. So, it, you know, it, it, it builds up your hands, those calluses and all those things. Not these sleek, uh, made-for-the-world kettlebells they have today. And I had like 10 minutes, man, and it was unusually cold that night. And um, I'm like, I don't even have time to stretch. I just cooked dinner, was waiting for the missus to get home. Kids were kind of chilling. I'm like, I hadn't, hadn't made a chance to work out. So I just got out there, did about 300 swings, and... Um, uh, Called it quits, went inside, but I tell you what, all those repetitions and then being locked down driving, I feel it today. So I really needed to, uh, I needed to unbind. But I tell you what, I'm walking around this casino, man, one to go downstairs and get a cup of coffee and then to um, go to the exercise area. I just looked around and People sitting at the slot machines at 8 in the morning. It's pretty much vacant. I mean, we're sitting here midweek, right? And uh, But it just is a, uh, it's like a general lethargy. The lethargic nature of man at this time. And damn it, man, I think it's by design. I go into the weight room and they have like an entertainment channel on and they're talking about all these new movies coming out. They're so far out of what actual reality is. I mean, now we take these quote-unquote stars from yesterday, render their voices to these animated films, and adults go see them. And all these Marvel movies and all these 
I don't know, thrillers per se with things that cannot actually occur. Think Liam Neeson has a new movie coming out. Love Liam Neeson, a voice for the ages. But damn it, Taken was a long time ago. And now when I try to watch in movies with my wife, my wife just gets up and says, Hey, Eric, you know I like Liam Neeson, but dude's way too old to be doing that stuff. And I agree. But hey, he's still working, right? A job's a job. But we're so far removed from reality, it's not even, it's not even funny. And I believe that is by design. We've heard about the dumbing down of culture and men. And I would say as a man, they want you so far out of touch with yourself or how God created you that you can no longer even tap into it. So step one for that is you have to believe in something bigger than yourself. Yes, you have to know your soul, but if it is solely you managing your soul and or your well-being, you have nothing bigger than you. And when difficulty strikes, and it will, should you actually choose to do something beneficial for those around you and your family and yourself, you will encounter difficulty, no doubt. But without that anchor, you're sunk. And that's where most people are. I've already looked at their faces moping around, their eyes, And um, it's a depressing thing. Then I heard Robert De Niro. He was ranting again. Hell, you could take Robert De Niro, throw that guy almost anywhere in the world, and he wouldn't have the liberty to say all the crap that he says. Robert De Niro, you're a hypocrite, dude. You're a hypocrite, and you're a disgrace to your Italian heritage. Why am I going to say it? I loved you and your pugilistic spirit as Jake LaMotta and Raging Bull. Of course, without Martin Scorsese, you probably wouldn't act. And um, he crafts those parts for you. But what do you typically do? You play a little gangsterish type of stuff, right? That's imbued with violence and guns. Everything that you love to make money off of, and you, Hollywood. But then you tell us that we can't have that pugilistic and or fighting spirit. We're bad boys if we do that. As long as you're making money, it's cool, right? But for everyone else, nah, take that out of your DNA. You don't have it. And speaking of that pugilistic spirit, I love those Modelo commercials. Sometimes they'll put a father and son on there. Sometimes they'll put fighters. And uh, I like Modelo beer. I like Negro Modelo. I started liking it when we were way down in Mexico. And uh, the beer's actually a little different there. But... That is good marketing, and I understand it used to be uh, the sponsor of the UFC. But now, evidently, they've gone back to Bud Light, and I didn't pay attention to all that stuff. I'll hear about it from my younger brother-in-laws because they're they're more up on some of these current, current events, and they still follow the UFC, all this good stuff. But I understand... That there is a middleweight champion, I believe his name is Sean Strickland. And talking about that pugilistic, that fighting spirit that I believe most men have, they want to utilize it in their lives. They feel less than and or weak because they don't have an opportunity and or have chosen not to do so. But while this guy may be an extremely hardy, well-conditioned Hell, call him a badass, middleweight individual. 
Evidently, he's challenged my buddy Dave Goggins to a 15-minute sparring match because he says he wants to see if he can break him mentally and or get him to tap. Hmm. Sean Strickland, I've heard you've made comments on the Israeli-Hamas fiasco. I hear you've had some very strong opinions on Bud Light, but now that Dana White's brought him in as a broken company, thereby he can leverage him and, of course, make more money. Enough is never enough. He's a capitalist, but isn't enough sometimes enough? Evidently not for Dana. Well, now that new relationship with the disgraced Bud Light is now going to offer these guys some bigger purses, more opportunity to make money, and he's back on board, man. But your comments toward Dave Goggins are asinine, and I'll tell you why. Um, I have a little experience with jujitsu and judo, and I remember when I showed up with Carl Geis, who used to be the men's Olympic judo coach and one of the first American judokas that went to Japan, very accomplished guy, and I got in there with his seasoned, if you want to call them fighters for simplicity. Those guys couldn't tap me out. And they were willing to stop because I wouldn't tap. And that's what took me to TPC and good old Jason Ebar because I'm like, I'm beating these guys up. And I don't even feel like I'm really learning fighting skills. It's not even realistic. And then moreover, I mean, in jujitsu, I mean, you don't have to tap out if you're getting, getting choked out. You just simply go to sleep, right? You can refuse not to tap. Go back to the early days of UFC. I mean, as people got more progressive, more well-entrenched in their various arts and were cross-training, you weren't going to tap Hoist Gracie out because you got him in an arm bar. He'd sacrifice that limb in his struggle to either get out and or uh, wait for you to wear out. That is dumb. That is dumb, Sean Strickland. You will never get Dave Goggins to tap. There's so many mind hacks that you can do that are entrenched in hardship and depravity and putting yourself through things. And that's why I talked about things very early on. You have to be fit for what it is you want to do. And whereas that guy, yeah, you may knock him stone cold out, but he's not tapping. You didn't break him mentally. When he comes to, he's ready to go again. That's with most fighters. I mean, give me a break, dude. I could bring you down here with some of these savage 13 and 14-year-olds on the streets of Eagle Pass who really have a pedigree in Mexican gangbanging, to be honest with you, cartel-type stuff. They'll jump on you, Sean Strickland, like a scourge of pit bulls, and what are you going to do when you take your short shorts off if they haven't ripped them off of you? And you don't have your bouncy ring to fall on. What are you going to do when they bite, scratch, kick, claw, gouge, do everything they can to destroy you? And there's no referee. Are you going to get them to tap? Are you going to break them mentally? I venture to tell you Dave Goggins take you out in the middle of the desert on one of those Badlands endurance races. You won't tap either. You will break mentally. I don't know, at about 125-degree heat, you're well-trained. 
races 100 miles, I don't know, you think you, you'll bend over and kind of quit at mile 30-something? That's pretty extreme, right? It's two totally different things. You're obviously a well-educated guy. You're obviously an accomplished fighter. Just keep your mouth shut, man. You already have enough attention. When you're in the spotlight and you're craving it more, there is a problem. Only you know that, Sean Strickland. I'm sure you can knock me out in a heartbeat. But get me to tap? That's a whole different deal, man. And the streets are entirely different than the UFC ring. And you know that. Cut that bull out. All right, and I'll go out even to headier pastures. I think one of the reasons I, I hit the road so tired, too, is before we left, my wife and I made love. And you're like, this guy is talking about making love? Yeah, I'm talking about making love. And um, one of the tenets of trying to bring the Lord into your marriage and into your bedroom. You heard me mention ball-filled, bill-fold bedroom is that you learn to adequately give of yourself the full measure of a man. And that requires paying attention to your spouse and their needs and giving. It's a process a process for me because that involves vulnerability, something I could not simply abide because I never had the opportunity to be vulnerable. So that armor still being chinked away. But really what I wanted to comment on before we ever do a full bore episode on SEX is that concept of making love. That's a cultural term. <laughs> They call it making love because you cannot make love. Love is not a feeling. It is an act and it is a choice. Thereby, once you make that decision, you grow in it with your actions and how you give and receive to your loved ones, whether it's your spouse and your children around you. There are plenty of times you don't feel so great, but you choose to be in love and you choose to give love. Making love is a totally fake concept constructed by who the hell knows and none of them are doing it because it is untrue. There is no, no such a thing. It is just a earthly creation to make people feel better about what they know they are doing that is wrong. So have we ranted enough? I don't even think I was that excitable. I don't know if you'd even call it a rant. But it's just simply food for thought. We touched on Sean Strickland. We touched on culture. We touched upon sharing with our spouse. We touched upon the old raging bull, now prima donna, Robert De Niro. And we touched upon the degradation of men in society as a whole. Let's carve that up some more, man, the next time we get together on the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast. Until then, I wish you bon voyage, my burgeoning flock, and I hope you enjoyed my three-part series on the search for meaning. Thank you. Until next time, like and subscribe to the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast.